this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. It is outdated. It's not outdated, guys. Well, we live in a modern society. Well, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe fasting is still significant. And if you've never been taught on fasting, you're in the right place. We're not going to get a whip and handcuffs out and make you do some things, okay? But biblically, biblically today, you're going to see some things. Now, just think about this. When you get in the habit of starting your day off with praise and worship music, prayer, or even the Word of God, what does it do? It sets the tone for our entire day. Well, the reason we're going to start the year with fasting and praying, I believe God wants to set the tone for our whole year, okay? Now, here's, here's a thought for you today. If you're not filled with the passion of God, you will be before you leave today, okay? Some things are going to happen in here. Matthew chapter 6. Oh, begin with me and just, uh, let's start in verse 2. I'm going to break this down a little bit, a little faster today. It says, Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. And surely I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Now, if you'll notice in there, there's a phrase that Jesus uses, and you're going to hear this several times here in the book of Matthew 6, when you do. When you do. Well, right here, Jesus gives us insight. When we do a charitable deed, that means giving, something from heaven is going to be released toward you. Okay? Keep reading with me, starting in verse number 6 of the same chapter. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door... Pray to your fathers in secret place, and your fathers in the secret place will reward you openly. Now, now highlight again, when you do, when you pray, once again, when I just obey the Word of God. When I just do simply what the Bible tells me to do, right here he gives me insight again that something from heaven is going to be released. Now, in verse 7 and 8, he talks about prayer. Verse 9 is where he gets into the Lord's Prayer. Talks over and over about that. I want you to just real quickly pick up with me in verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. P.S. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Now it's interesting to me that you'll see that Jesus in Matthew 6 talks about giving, praying, and ultimately fasting. But right here he throws in unforgiveness. You know why I believe he throws in unforgiveness right here? I believe he's telling us that I don't care how much you give and how much you pray. When you or me walk in unforgiveness, it hinders what God wants to do in your life. No matter who you are. So one thing i got to do, and I encourage you this, to start this year, if you got unforgiveness in your heart, get rid of that junk. And it may be a step of faith where you just begin to say, Father God, I forgive Uncle Bob for what I did. I forgive answers, whoever it is. But begin to to walk in forgiveness. Now pick up with me, verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, now get this, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. 
Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your fathers who are in the secret place. And your father who sees in the secret place will reward you openly. Now, once again, you begin to see what Jesus, when you fast. This isn't the letter of the law. This is an invitation for me and you to fast. But I believe Jesus right here in Matthew 6 tells us three great characteristics that should be evident in, in believers' lives. You should be known as a giver. You should be known as a person of prayer, but also fasting. Now, let me read you that same passage in the message translation. Listen to this. When you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God. Now, I will tell you right now, fasting is one of the greatest disciplines you can ever do. But if you'll note what I just said, to concentrate on God. Don't make a production out of it. It might turn you to, into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normal outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair. Brush your teeth. Wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing, but He will reward you well. Now, I believe that gives us a little bit of insight. But when you talk about these three great characteristics, in Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, A threefold cord is not quickly, quickly broken. A threefold cord. Now, when I think about what we just said there, what isn't being released in your life and my life because I failed to give, I failed to pray, and I failed to fast? What blessings aren't coming out of heaven that God wants to bless us, but we failed to do these things? What bondages aren't being broken because we failed to do these things? Now, in Matthew 6, look with me in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His way of doing things, rather than being preoccupied with material things. Now, if you've been a Christian very long, you'll, you'll find out it's pretty easy to get off track even as a Christian, to get off course. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says that man is spirit, soul, and body. When that was said, guys, that wasn't just thrown out there. I believe that, that the Lord said spirit, soul, and body to show us what should be priority. But too many times as, as believers, it's very easy to live just the opposite, where we put all our emphasis on our body, and then our soul, and then our spirit. It's not uncommon, even as Christians, where our, our whole thought life is, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? How am I going to look? But I believe God right here is wanting us to get spiritual things back in order in our life. And so ultimately he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And listen to the last part. And all these things shall be added to you. You know what this shows me? God's not against us having things. But the key is, I've got to put God first. Now the rest of this morning... I'm going to give you three different points that I believe the Lord has really, really spoken to my heart to encourage you 
about this upcoming fast. Turn your page and go with me to Matthew 17 will be the first one. As you're turning there, guys, God doesn't want us to live just in stinking ruts and routines, guys. That, that can happen even by going to church. That can just be a religious routine. By reading your Bible, by praying. No, I believe God wants to give us a passion for church, for the Bible, to pray, even to fast. I mean, when it comes to fast, I was so blessed the other evening. I had ones of you say, man, Pastor, we're so fired up about the fast. A lot of times when you, you mention a fast, people will say, well, crap horrific. We got we to gotta fast and pray? Absolutely, we do. I believe it's important that we get this in our heart, that this is what Jesus told us to do. Matthew 17, verse 14. And when they'd come to the multitude, a man came to Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic. And he suffers severely, for he often falls in the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear witness with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, so Jesus answered them, Because of your unbelief or lack of faith. For assuredly I say to you, If you have faith as the mustard seed. Now, Jesus right here says that our, our faith in God is like that of a mustard seed. Now I want you to get this today, okay? Matthew 4, 4 says, That man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every one of us in here understand that bread to my natural body is nourishment. Most of us eat at least three meals a day. We understand the significance of feeding our natural body. But Jesus said man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So Jesus is telling us right here, as vital is, as bread is to the natural body, so is the Word of God to your spiritual body. So you know what he's telling me in here, me and you here? I got to get the Word of God. How many, how many of you eat every day? Every one of us. How many of us get into the Word every day? Probably not all of us. Actually, you got to understand this about the Word of God. The byproduct of the Word of God is faith. Jesus right here accused them of not having enough faith. He said, but listen, all you got to do is have mustard seed faith. How is, how is faith the byproduct of the Word of God? Romans 10, 17 says, Faith come by hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, okay? So just because you've heard the Word of God one time, guys, that's not going to make you spiritually fit. That would be like saying, I got a New Year's resolution. I'm going to work out and I go to the, one, the gym one time and they, that's it. I'm done for the year. I'm fit. Not, not going to happen. But see, this is exactly how we've treated the Word of God. So what am I telling us here? I believe, guys, God's wanting to stir faith up in each one of us. He's really dealing with me on this area. The, the issue with my own life, guys... 
is I've heard this for 30 plus years. But I can say once again, even as a believer, it's very easy to get off track. And even more so as an American. Because we got life so good, a lot of times we don't have to believe God for nothing. But I believe right here, God is wanting to stir us up with faith. Now he said, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain. So when we put our faith into action, when we release it to God, it takes on a whole new nature. Actually, there's a miracle within that. But how did Jesus say you must release your faith? By speaking it. By speaking to the mountain. Now let me ask you right now. What are the mountains in your life? Every one of us have a mountain. But what are you speaking to the mountain? The key here is what Jesus just said. By faith, start speaking the Word of God to that mountain. Start saying what God's Word says. And look what Jesus Himself said would take place. And you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And listen, listen. And nothing will be impossible for God. That's not what He said. He said nothing will be impossible for you. For you. So Jesus right here is giving us the key to start having the kingdom of God move in our life. This is big for each one of us. I mean, God has started speaking to me and he said, you speak the word out of your mouth and you speak it and you speak it and you speak it and you speak it. Now, a lot of times when we read this passage, we stop right here. Jesus didn't. Look at verse 21. However or how be it, this kind does not go out except by prayer and by fasting. Now here's what I want you to understand today. As you begin to fast and pray, I encourage you, get in the Word of God. Overdose on the Word of God and start speaking to the mountains in your life. I don't care what it looks like. Start speaking. And some of you will say, but what's going on in my life? God can't take care of it. Wait, wait a minute. He said, and nothing will be impossible to you. i got to grab a hold of the word. It says, we sang. My confidence is in you, Lord. But i got to get a hold of this. Now, if you were here a couple weeks ago, one of the most significant things we've talked about in, in quite a while was found in, in Joshua chapter 2 with a harlot named Rahab. Rahab was told by the Israelites, they're going to destroy the city of Jericho unless you have this scarlet cord hanging from your window. The scarlet cord in her life represented the blood of Jesus. So when they were going to come back to Jericho, the only thing they looked for was that blood, that scarlet cord. It wasn't who's your daddy, it wasn't where you go to school, how much money it goes. It didn't even say what church you went to. The only thing that mattered was that scarlet cord. In these little baskets are, are little strips of scarlet cords. I welcome you to take them, okay? Why are we going to take them? Because I want you to wrap them around your wrist. I want you to hang them from the mirror in your car. Put it as a bookmarker. I don't care how many of you get. Put it around your ankle. Put it around your toes. Why? Because I want these cords to be a reminder to you 
that we're bound to the blood of Jesus. And some of you guys got to start speaking to the mountains in your life and you start saying, I'm bound to the blood of Jesus. I'll I tell you guys, this has lit me on fire. You're going to say, pastor's got passion. Pastor's overdosing on passion. He might jump on the seats today, I promise you, full of God today. Excited, but we ought to be excited about God. The point in this is, guys, is, man, I'm, I'm binding my life. I, I walk around. When I came in here this morning, I was binding you guys to the blood of Jesus. There's times I've been in here and prayed, and I said, Father God, I bind Jason Lindemann to the blood of Jesus. I bind myself to the blood. I bind my marriage to the blood. I bind my kids to the blood. And just as this woman named Rahab stood for her entire family, and guess what? None of them were destroyed. This is part of the fast. Maybe you have loved ones that everything in the natural looks horrible. Woo, not with the blood of Jesus. All things are possible. So what this happens here, guys, is every time you look at your wrist and you see that, you begin to speak the blood. You say, I thank you, Father God. No matter how Aunt Susie acts, I, I plead the blood over. I bind Aunt Susie to the blood. And, and when you leave Aunt Susie and she shot you the finger, you say, oh, I thank you, Father God, today. Aunt Susie's bound by the blood. She's bound by the blood. I'm sorry if that bothers you that I said that. It's extreme, but it's reality. Okay? Get in faith, okay? Let's get back into faith. Let's trust God again. What an opportunity. Thank you for those one holy grunt. Man, you guys are passionate and excited. Point two, go with me to the book of Revelations. Chapter number two. Chapter number two. Woo, this is going to stir you up here, guys. Stir you up. Get a hold of the Word of God. Revelations 2. I'm going to read, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read these first verses pretty fast just to get somewhere. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says, He who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Listen. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them liars, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now, you know what I believe he's saying there? The, the spiritual vitality that comes from us to have a love of God has degenerated because the things of God have just become a routine to us. We just go through the motions. Now, here's a question right here. Have you lost your first love? Are you truly lovesick for Jesus? Now, as I read this, the Lord really began to deal with me on a certain area. And a lot of times, it's even in the way we show up to church. We show up just with a duty. I'm going to go to church just because it's a duty. There's no passion in it. Now, if, if I went home from work tomorrow night, and I asked Shelly, what are we having to eat tonight? And she said, we're having fish. And I went back on Tuesday night and said, what are we having for dinner tonight? And she said, fish. And Wednesday night we said fish. And Thursday night we said fish. And finally I got to the point of saying, again? Again? Is this all we're going to get again? That's exactly how sometimes our praise and worship looks to Father God. We come in here 
We put our hands in our pockets. We have no life. And God's looking down and saying, is this all you're going to give me again? I don't know about you, but when you're really passionate about something, it's going to show. And when we come in here, if you're not stirred up to worship God, you need to fall in love with Jesus again. Because it's sad to say there'll be more people shouting and screaming at Lambeau Field today when it's 15 below zero than in this church. They'll paint their faces. They'll go crazy today. But when we come into church, oh no, Lord, you're lucky to get my leftovers. Oh, pastor, that's tough. It's the truth, and it's the truth for my own life. And I told the Lord this last week. I said, Father God, I will not pastor a lukewarm church. I will not be a lukewarm pastor. And he's telling me, fall in love with me again. Fall in love with me. Fall in love with me. Now look what he says in verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. The, the message says it this way. Do you have any idea how far you've fallen? What's the answer? Repent and do the first works, for else I will come to you quickly. And when he says, I will come to you quickly, guys, that's in present tense. That's not talking about the second coming. That's talking about right now. And you know what he's saying? I'm either going to come to you in blessings or I'm going to come to you in judgment. And look what he ends with. And I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You know what that means? When he removes a lampstand, that could be a person, that can be a church, that can be a congregation that goes through the motion. We are no longer light in a dark world. We just go through the motions. We just play church. The things of God have just become a routine to me and you. And when I look at this, he wants to give us a fresh anointing. He wants to breathe on us again. So when you read this, guys, what does he begin to speak to our heart? An anointing right here of a fresh and sincere thanks for the kingdom of God. To fall in love with him again. Now go with me to the last one. The book of Ezra, chapter number 8. And you say, where is Ezra? Great question. Right after the Chronicles, you'll come to the Samuels, the Kings, the Chronicles. Ezra, if you've gone to Nehemiah, you've gone too far. Ezra, chapter 8. As you're turning there, let me tell you a little bit about the fast. We've got all kinds of literature for you. We've got some dates in this little bulletin that should be in your, your bulletin, this little flyer here, that will talk about what we as a church are going to pray for. Every day through the week, if you want to come in in the morning and pray, you can come over to the basement. If you want to come in here at lunch, we have Tuesday night prayer, but there's specific things we're going to pray for. Also, there's some of these guidelines. I realize if you've never fasted before, you're going to need some guidelines. That's okay, okay? Our, our, our goal is to help you. You may want to fast a day, several days. You may want to fast all 21 days. You may want to fast some food, and you may want to fast all food. Now, I'm going to give you a little insight. Don't bite off more than you can handle, okay? This will be one of the greatest disciplines you've ever done. And let me give you an insight about some things that are going to happen when you start fasting. Your tongue will start getting coated. That's just normal, okay? Number two, your breath will smell like that of a thousand camels. It'll be horrible. Normal. 
The first day or two, you're going to walk around very sluggish. You may have headaches. You may yawn a lot. You may want to go to bed early. This is all normal. I can tell you in my own life, the hardest thing for me is coffee. And those first two or three days, I yawn. I'm like a zombie. If you see me that way, don't think, what's up with Pastor? Pastor's being detoxed. He's getting all that. And you know what it just shows me? It shows me how addicted to caffeine I can be sometimes. Now, for my own life, guys, I'll go all 21 days with, with the only liquid I'll have is water. Here's a tip for you coffee drinkers. Just get you a cup of hot water and nuke it in the microwave and drink hot water. It's a great substitute. Just get that warm cup and say, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. But go and look at these. These will help you, okay? Also, understand this. It isn't just going without food, but it is saying, I'm going to get in the Word, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to seek God, okay? The literal definition of fast in the Greek means to shut your mouth, okay? You can fast other things, but the true fast is when you deny your physical body the outward for an inward purpose. I'm going to seek God. Now, here we are in Ezra, and this guy named Ezra, Ezra's name literally meant the Lord has helped. What's going on here is the people of God, the Israelites, they've strayed from the Word of God. They're no longer listening to God's Word. I said that earlier about believers. It's very easy for us to get off track. They had. They had lost their heart toward the things of God. It bothered this man named Ezra. Chapter 8, verse 21. Then I, Ezra, proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we, now get that, get that, that we, it didn't say that me or I, it said that we. So what he did here, guys, he called a corporate fast. I believe that's what we're doing right here within the church. Now the next few statements here that Ezra makes, I believe these define the fast. Look what he says. That we may, number one, humble ourselves before God, And number two, that we may seek Him. That's what happens. I begin to humble myself. I begin to seek Him. I wish I could totally explain what happens in the fast. I don't know. All I know is when I obey God and I step out by faith, something happens. Now, in these next sentences, he'll say three things that describe what they were fasting and praying for. I believe this will help us. Look what he goes on to say. Number one, to seek from him the right way for us. How many of you need some guidance from God right now? How many of you need a shot from God in your arm right now and say, Father God, I don't know what to do in this circumstance. I don't know what to do over here or over there. He tells me right here, go on a fast for guidance, for direction, for supernatural insight. The second one, he says, and our little ones, our children. He was very concerned because there was a generation that would never be at Jerusalem and go through the temple there. And Ezra right here, he saw the potential of the younger generation, but he also saw the grave danger. 
And you know what Ezra knew? That if we don't fast and pray, we're going to have an entire generation that's going to go to hell. Kind of sounds like America right now, doesn't it? And as I read that, I think our children, our younger generations are being told more and more that the Bible has no significance. That God has no significance. That the church has no significance. You know what? I believe differently. I believe the church has great significance. I believe the Bible and the things of God have great significance. But if we don't humble and pray and begin to seek His face, we're going to have ones in our own family that will never experience the things of God. We've got to start fasting and praying, guys. We've got to start holding fast to these things. And last, he says, and for our possessions. God wasn't against them having things. He's saying we're going to fast and pray that God will bless us. How many like to really get blessed this year? Man, I believe that's God's heart. But something's got to take place. And Ezra said, I'm going to make a difference. Will we make a difference? Verse 22. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road, because we had spoken to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him. But his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated or sought our God for this, and he answered our prayers. And note something there, guys. He didn't answer their prayers until they, after they had fasted. And after they fasted and prayed right there, he gave them guidance, he gave them assistance, and he gave them substance. Something happened when they began to fast and pray. So guess what happens here? They returned to Jerusalem, and everything looked good for a period of time. But when you get into chapter 9, Ezra sees that the Israelites had married pagan people. They had become unequally yoked with unbelievers. That's a basic commandment to Father God, but with huge consequences when I, when I disobey it. Listen, don't date someone that doesn't know Jesus. Well, he says he goes to church. Well, you better find out how much he loves Jesus, okay? It's big, guys, in our society right now. And so this moves Ezra so much. Pick up with me. Uh, Ezra 9, verse 3. So when I heard these things, I tore my garment and my robe, and I plucked out some of the hair of my head and my beard, and I sat down astonished. His response of grief, guys, it just reinforces his devotion to God. But I want you to think about this. He tore his clothes. He began to pull out hair of his head and his beard because he was so astonished at their sin. It moved him because of their sin. Listen, guys, sin should bother us. It bothers Father God. Verse 4, Then everyone who trembled at the words of God of Israel assembled to me because of the transgression or the sin of those who had been carried away captive. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. At the evening sacrifice, I arose from my fasting. Now what I want you to see here again, this man of God named Ezra, when things looked bad, he began to fast and pray. 
he began to stand on the things of God. And so it said here, he, he rose from his fasting, and having torn my garment, my robe, I fell on my knees and spread out my hands to my God. When's the last time we've been in this position right here? And you know what I think Ezra was saying? Father God, I don't know what to do, but call on you. That's a good thing. When we get our hands up to God and say, Father God, I've got to have you. Verse 6. And I said, Oh my God, I am too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you. My God, for our iniquities or our sins have risen higher than our heads and our guilt has grown up to the heavens. Chapter 10, verse 1. Now while Ezra was praying and while he was confessing, weeping and bowing down before the house of God, a very large assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him from Israel, for the people had wept bitterly. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, spoke up and said to Ezra, We have trespassed against our God, and we have taken pagan wives from the peoples of the land, yet now there is hope in Israel in spite of this. Now, for, there, now therefore let us make a covenant with our God, to put away all these wives. And what begins to happen? Because this man would fast and pray, the conviction of God began to come upon them. And not only did they repent of their sins, they understood there had to be a separation. As I begin to look at all this, guys, I begin to think for each one of us. Every assignment, every call of God, Every bit of direction that every one of us needs in here has a starting point, has a birthing point. I believe God's wanting to birth something in here today. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.